Hi, this is Chris Finch. I'm lead pastor of City Walk Church. I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you don't already know, the best way to stay connected with City Walk Church is with our app. Just go to your device's app store and search City Walk Church to find it. Whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just investigating faith, our hope is that this message will help you take your next step in that journey. If you're in the area, we would love to have you come join us in person. For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. Morning. Morning, those of you that are watching online. I hope that you are having a good weekend so far. This has been a really good month already here at CityWalk. We've had a really good month. Had a great day yesterday. Uh, And before we dive into uh, what I hope is going to be a real helpful series to all of us, I wanted to tell you about an event that we actually have coming up at the end of the month uh, that I think is going to be a a special event, something new that we're doing. Uh, When we started City Walk a few years ago, one of the things we said is we wanted to be a church that helped make our community better. And we do that in all kinds of different ways, but wanted to help make our community better. And so one of the ways we're doing that this month is we're partnering with an organization called Masters Leadership and helping bring the Live to Lead simulcast to our area. And so what this is, this is a leadership conference that business leaders all over the world are going to be gathering in in small pockets all over the world uh, for this conference. And we wanted to bring it to our area so that we could use it to encourage business leaders, moms, dads, educators, coaches, different people that play different roles uh, and and influence people. And so that's coming up at the end of this month. If it's something that you're interested in, you can actually, and there's actually a special code for for people that go to CityWalk, and it's simply this, CityWalk, is a code that you can put in and it's You get the best price, but we're excited to do this. We hope this is helpful to our community, and we're thankful for our friends at Masters Leadership for bringing this and really having a vision to bring this to our community. And so so I wanted to just tell you about it, and we'll tell you a little bit more about it as we get closer. Yesterday, and a lot of you were there, man, we had such a good time uh, at the pumpkin party. We had over 700 people that came out, and it was, it was an awesome thing. We had over 70 volunteers that came. Many of you brought candy, uh, and, and it was a fun day. At the end of it, though, probably if you were there, you, you probably didn't have much trouble sleeping last night. Uh, I know when we got home last night after the event, uh, we, we kind of, Kate and Lori and I were there, and we kind of watched a movie and, and Lori kind of did what she normally does when we watch a movie at night. She passed out on the couch and, and Kate and I were laying there. And, and so we were, we were pretty ready for bed when we got home from the pumpkin party. And, and I don't know how it is for your family, whether you're online or you're here, but probably you have some bedtime rituals that, that you go through. And you go through your bedtime rituals without even thinking about it. And so for us, Our bedtime rituals is we have like 400 dogs at our house that we have to let out one more time so we don't have a gift on the floor when we wake up in the morning. So we we do that and then we brush our teeth and, you know, we turn the air, you know, a little colder because we want it to be a little colder at night. And so we have these rituals. And then our daughter, Kate, kind of the last thing she does before we go tuck her into bed with her 400 stuffed animals 
is she'll, she'll climb up in our bed and say, all right, hey, mom and dad, come here. And she kind of leads a little prayer meeting with us. She'll, she'll tell me, all right, dad, you pray first. And sometimes she'll even tell me, hey, you need to pray for this and this. And, and so I'll pray. And then, then she'll tell, you know, then she'll, it's her turn. So she has a list of people that she prays will know and trust Jesus. She prays for my barber. She prays for Miley Cyrus. I mean, it's like the same people every single night. She prays for the Ukraine and Afghanistan. And I mean, just has the same thing that she prays through. And then when she's done, She'll, all right, mom, your turn. You, you, and she'll tell you, mom, it's her turn to pray. And, and, and so it's kind of a ritual. And we don't have, lest you think it's like a super spiritual thing, like it's rarely like a heaven came down and glory filled my soul moment. Usually we're falling asleep, you know, while we're praying and Kate's directing us to, to pray for certain things. But here's one thing that, that happens on a pretty regular basis. When we do that, and if you've ever sat down and many of you have and you've heard a little kid pray it reminds you of how simple prayer is it reminds you that for a little kid they don't they don't know big spiritual words they don't have a prayer voice you know like when we pray it's like we talk normal like this but then when we pray it's our father which you know we have this prayer voice kids don't know like they're supposed to have a special tone when they pray uh, they don't know the big words. They just know that they're talking to God, and they just believe that God's hearing them and that he's going to answer them. And so they pray, and it's, it's very simple when you listen to a little kid, whether it's your, your child, your nephew, your grandchild. When you sit down and you hear them pray, you just are reminded of the simplicity of prayer. But, but unfortunately, and, and what you've probably experienced this, whether you're a churchgoer, whether you're a follower of Christ, you, you probably have experienced this. Unfortunately, what, what we have done, and really what religion has done, is religion has complicated it. Religion has taken something that's very simple and should be a life-giving rhythm in our life. And, and has taken it and, and has made it ritualistic and has made it monotonous and has made it almost like a good luck charm that like hey when we're really in a pinch we probably should pray because i think that god you know he's like a genie in a bottle i think if we pray i think he's going to do something and and that's what we've kind of made it we've complicated it but but what if it didn't have to be that way what, what if I told you that prayer could be the most life-giving thing you do all day? And here's the thing, you, you don't need to take my word for it because prayer was a really big deal to Jesus. And Jesus talked about prayer and he was an example of prayer, man, all throughout his ministry. And probably the most popular prayer, again, whether you are a follower of Jesus, whether you're not even sure what you think about faith, or whether you've been following Jesus for decades, most of you have heard the prayer we're going to talk about today. It's a prayer that's found in a larger message that Jesus gave called the Sermon on the Mount. And most of you would know this prayer that he talks about in the Sermon on the Mount as the Lord's Prayer. And you've probably, if you played football, you probably repeated this prayer before. You, you might not have known why you were repeating it, but you prayed this prayer in the locker room. Or you had somebody lead you in this prayer, and, and you didn't know what all the words meant, but like everybody else was doing it. So you probably have said this prayer 
or read this prayer at some point in your life. And, and like I said, it was found in this portion of Scripture that's known as the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount was a, a message that Jesus gave. Some of the teaching that he gave is the most known teaching that he gave, actually. And what he was doing in the Sermon on the Mount, he was talking to people that were his followers, and he was talking to them about how they should live. Because up to this point, most of Jesus' followers had been living based on an Old Testament law. So their whole life, they were Jewish people, and they had been following this Old Testament law, and that's kind of how they were measuring their life and their progress and their relationship with God. And Jesus came and he said, hey, there's a different way, and I'm going to talk to you about how your life can be different and how it should be different than what you grew up with. And so he said this phrase a lot in the Sermon on the Mount. He said this phrase. He said, you have heard that it was said. Basically, hey, you grew up hearing this. This is what you've grown up hearing. And he says, you've heard that it was said. And then what he does is he says, well, now let me tell you something new. Let me compare what I'm, my way of living with what you've heard all your life. For instance, he says this in Matthew 5, 21. He says, You've heard that it was said to your ancestors, do not murder. That's a, all right, that's a good thing. Shouldn't probably kill people, that's a good thing. And then Jesus says, but I tell you, he says, but I tell you, everyone who is angry with his brother, this hateful anger that prompts murder, everybody that's angry with his brother or sister will be, sub, be subject to judgment. So what Jesus does is, hey, you, you've heard it said this, and this is the way you grew up, and this is what you were taught, but let me tell you a, a new way, and let me take what you were taught to a heart level. He, he says this in, in Matthew uh, 5.43, he says an, another kind of sentence, he says, you've heard it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Again, Good thing. That's how you grew up. This is what you grew up hearing. This is what the law pointed you to. And then he says this, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So you've been taught this, and this is what you grew up learning, but let me take what you were taught and take it to another level. And so he does this all throughout the Sermon on the Mount. And then about two-thirds of the way through the Sermon on the Mount, he starts to talk about prayer. And and he talks about prayer in a way that for some of the people, man, he's going to ruffle a few feathers. And and he starts to talk about prayer, and and we're going to look at that right now. It says this, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 5, Jesus transitions and he begins to talk about prayer. He says this, whenever you pray... So his assumption is, if you're a follower of his, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you have a relationship with God, that his assumption is you talk to God at some point. That's not like a far-fetched assumption. Like if you're married to somebody, I think it would be fair that everyone would assume that at some point in your day, you probably talk to that person. If you have a job and you have a relation, a close relationship with somebody at your job, it's a fair assumption that, hey, you probably talk to that person. And so that's what he says. So whenever you pray, he says, you must not be like the hypocrites. It's like, what's a hypocrite? That's, that's not a word I want to be. And basically this word hypocrite is, it, it has its origin in, in theater. 
And it describes a person, a character who wore a mask. And so somebody back then who was in the theater that changed mask and was different characters, they would be considered a hypocrite. And spiritually speaking, what Jesus was saying, he was referring to people that were self-deceived, who pretended to be close to God, but really weren't. Just like the people in the theater will change and put on different masks and be different characters and pretend. He said, you don't want to be like the pretender spiritually. You don't want to be like the hypocrites who pretend and have the self-deception that they're walking with God and are close to God but they're really not. He says, you don't want to be like a hypocrite. And he, he tells them why. He says, here's how a hypocrite prays. He says, because they, talking about the hypocrites, they love to pray. Okay, well, that's a good thing. They love to pray. Why do they love to pray? They love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people. The hypocrites, these type of people, man, they love to pray. They show up at every prayer meeting. They're, they're big on prayer. But you know why they pray? They pray because they want you to be impressed. So, man, every social media post, man, if they have be real, every be real, when it's time to take their picture, man, it's like, oh, let me get down on the knee and bow down. And, you know, like I, I need people to know. They, they want people to know, man, I love to pray. Prayer's a big thing. Their Instagram, Facebook, it's always them praying. And, you know, hashtag praying is caring. And, and I love praying. And I'm more spiritual than you. And all these things. That's what they love. And they love to be seen by people. So what they would do, because there were certain times that you were supposed to pray. And so what they did is they conveniently made it so that they would be in public places. Oh, the bell went off. I got to pray right here. So they'd be on the street corner in front of all the people. And they would rearrange their schedule so that they could make sure that there was a bunch of people around them when it was time to pray. Because their goal, the reason they loved to pray, because they wanted you to be impressed with them. They wanted you to say, man, man, he is spirit. Man, I wish I could be as godly as her. And that's what they would do. And here's what Jesus says. He says, Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. I, I hope that worked out for them because that's as far as it goes for them. I hope that the people were really impressed because there's no power, there's no blessing, there's no benefit to their praying because they were praying so that people would be impressed. And so I hope people were because that's all they get. And then Jesus, he goes on and he says it this way. He says, but when you pray, again, he's assuming that you talk to God. He says, when you pray, go into your private room, shut your door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. Jesus, his point here isn't that you should never pray in public because we know other parts of Scripture encourage you to pray with other people. But what he's saying is, hey, when you pray, you have an audience of one. You're praying to the Father. It's not about impressing everybody else in the room. It's about intimacy with your Father. And so when you pray, stay focused on what it's supposed to be about. And, and then what he does is, 
And, and for Jesus, he, he didn't just say this. He was a great example of this. Because if you look at Jesus throughout Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and kind of the historical writings about his life, Man, you will see a lot of Jesus praying in public, but you'll also see a lot of Jesus pulling away early in the morning and, and getting away from anybody and spending time in prayer with his father. And so he was an example of this. And, and he goes on after he's kind of talked about these hypocrites and, hey, you don't want to be like that. And that's not the way you should pray. He says in verse seven, he says this, he says, also, when you pray, don't babble like the Gentiles. And so in our world, Gentiles means Gentiles, like, okay, non-Jewish people. But in this world, he was referring to basically people that weren't following him, people that were outside of his teaching. He says, don't pray like them, since they imagine they will be heard for their many words. So what, what people that weren't followers of God and that weren't worshipers of God would do is they had a bunch of gods. And so what they would do in, in their mind, what they would have to do is they would have to impress their gods with their words in order to get their gods to act. And so they had certain phrases like, okay, I got to say this phrase 12 times and I got to, you know, say it in this way. And, and they would babble on and on and on all with the idea that, man, if I, if I go enough and if I say it just the right way, and if I say it just the right amount of times, I'll get my God's attention. And Jesus says, don't, man, don't be like that. I mean, don't, don't be like just these monotonous, thoughtless phrases, trying to kind of get your God to wake up a little bit. And, and if you say this phrase enough, he's going to hear you. You're kind of competing with everybody else that's praying to, to get your God to hear. It's not supposed to be that way. It says, don't, don't be like them. Because your father, he knows the things you need before you ask him. Like, you're, you're not praying to a God that doesn't, that's not aware of what's going on in your life. You're not praying to a God that you have to get his attention by saying just the right phrases, just the right amount of times. Your father's different. He's intimately involved in your life. He's for you. You don't have to, I mean, this is just weird trying to say these things and babble on and on to get your God's attention. You don't have to do that. I mean, God's not up there saying, well, you said the phrase eight times, but you, she said the phrase 12 times, and I, I really liked her tone a little better, so we're going to go her direction. No, it's not, it's not like that. You, your father's for you. He loves you. He's intimately involved. And so Jesus, he, he starts this talk by just, all right, here's a few don't do, and here's some ways not to pray. But then what he does, and this is the, the, the part of scripture that you've heard, whether you grew up in church, he says, therefore, you should pray like this. And, and this word like is important. Because what Jesus is saying, hey, instead of the praying like the hypocrites, who all they're trying to do is get a crowd, they just want to impress everybody. Or, or instead of praying like the people that don't even follow me and don't believe in me, and they're just, they have all these gods and they're saying all these weird things as many times as they can and to get their God's attention. Instead of that, I want you to pray like this. And here's what he didn't say. He didn't say pray this. He said pray like this. His purpose was to give us an example. 
He wanted us to use this prayer as a pattern, not a substitute. And so I'm not saying if you say the Lord's Prayer that God's like, nope, I'm not listening because you said, no, but he doesn't give us this prayer for this to be like what we just repeat over and over to God. He said, no, 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 this is, this is not a substitute for talking to me, but this is kind of a pattern. This is how you should pray. And here's what he says. That, that prayer, it starts like this, and you've heard this. Our Father in heaven. So he starts with a, a really personal word. Again, he says, pray like this. I'm going to give you a pattern of how you should pray. And so he starts it like this because I think he wants us to see that, man, we're not talking to somebody that's impersonal and uninvolved and distant. Instead, we're talking to our father. And that idea of father, it, it conveys authority. It conveys intimacy. It conveys warmth. He's saying, you're talking to your father, your daddy, your loving father. And so he says, start like this. Our father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. You may have grown up in the translation you might have learned was, hallowed be your name. And so notice this. He doesn't say start with a list of things you want God to do for you. He doesn't say start with a list of all the needs that you have or your family has. And he says, no, 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 start with this. Start by recognizing that you have a loving father and start by recognizing who he is. Instead of a list of requests, your prayer, it starts with worship. It starts with honoring your father as holy, as set apart, as sovereign. Start that way. Our father in heaven, your name be honored. This isn't about my name. This isn't about anybody else's name. This is about your name. And so Jesus says, he encourages people to man, start your prayer time by honoring God and remembering that you're talking to a loving, intimate father who's listening and who loves you. And then he goes on this prayer. It starts, our father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. And then it goes to the next phrase, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So, so this, this prayer, it starts with worship. It starts with recognizing who God is. But then what it does is it goes to this phrase again that you've heard, whether you grew up in church or not, you've said this probably. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Basically, what, what you're saying when you say this to God is you're saying, Hey, God, may your will be accomplished. May you get your way today, God. May you get your way in people's hearts. May you get your way in our city. May your kingdom expand today, God. May your kingdom come. I know for me, as I, as I pray for my family and I have even thought about this this week as I've been studying this. As I pray for my daughters and my son and my, my wife, one of the things that I do during my prayer time is I try to think, hey, what does God want to accomplish in their hearts? 
Obviously, I'm not God, so I don't know 100%. But hey, what, what do I think God's trying to do? Like, what would expand God's kingdom? What would God be pleased with? And that directs my prayers for my family. And it's this idea where we, we start our prayer instead of, hey, God, here's the seven things I need from you. And if you can make this happen quick, that'd be great to start our prayer saying, God, you're my dad. You're my father. God, hallowed be your name. Your, your name is honored because of, of your sovereignty, because of and just think about who God really is. And then begin to pray, God, it's not about my kingdom. It's not about my will. It's not about my desires. It's about your kingdom. And God, may your kingdom expand. May your will be done. May you get your way today. May heaven come to earth. May you besutter. May my family look more like heaven today than it did before. May your kingdom come. And then he, then he goes on to this phrase that you've heard. And he says this, give us today our daily bread. And this is, this is our physical needs where we, we pray to God and we, we talk to God about our physical needs, not as a God that we have to compete to have him hear us or, man, if I, if I don't do enough things or check all the boxes, he's not going to take care of me. But again, a loving heavenly father who already knows what you need, but just wants you to lean on him, wants you to tell him about it, just like you do if you have kids. You want a conversation with them. You know what your kids need. You're actively providing for your kids, for your grandkids, for the people you love. You know what they need. And you just, man, just enjoy the conversation. You enjoy knowing how they feel. You enjoy talking to them. You enjoy that. He says, give us this day. And like I've said before, this is, this is usually why we pray and where we start. I mean, let's be honest. Think about, think about if you're someone who prays, even if you're not. This is, this is kind of, if we need something, that's why we pray. And it's usually what we start with, just naturally. Oh, somebody's sick. And I'm, I'm not saying it's bad to pray. Somebody's sick. Oh, we should pray. I, I need some money for this bill. Oh, I should pray. And, and we, we do. That's, that's, and that's what motivates us to, oh, we probably should pray. And it's where we start in our prayer. It's, we start by telling God. It's almost like, like we kind of see God as this cosmic vending machine in the sky. Like, dang it, man, I really want a payday bar. And that's E4 in the, in the machine. So let me put my $1.25 in and hit E4. And automatically, and sometimes I have to shake the machine because it doesn't come all the way out. But you know how it is. It's like, I put my, I did what I'm supposed to do, God. I need you to do what I, you're supposed to do, so send me my payday bar. And it's, we do that. It's like, God, you're my genie. I rubbed the lamp, so here's, here's what I need from you. And, and for Jesus, he was trying to teach his disciples and his followers, hey, let me show you how to pray. And, and yeah, we should talk to God about our physical needs specifically. And if you are somebody that's made prayer a part of your life, you probably have stories and testimonies about how you've gone to God for specific needs and watched God provide. That's awesome. But I think what Jesus is saying is, hey, this is part of your prayer. This shouldn't be the only reason you pray. This shouldn't be where you start. It's bigger than that. It's better than that. He says, 
Give us this day our daily bread. And then he says this. And this has been part of rap songs over the years. And forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. See, just like the followers of Jesus back then, like if you're a follower of Jesus, you're not a perfect person. Neither were these people. And so they had made a decision to follow Jesus, but man, along the way, they sometimes made bad decisions. They sometimes disobeyed God. They sometimes did things that were unwise. And so what Jesus was saying to them was, you know what? There's a part of your prayer that should be you just coming to God and, and telling God, you know what, God? Man, I, I was wrong here. Not because we've lost a relationship with him. If you're a follower of Jesus and you've made a decision to follow him, you can't lose that relationship, but you can hinder intimacy. And so when we mess up and Jesus says, hey, when, when, there's, when there's forgiveness that needs to be had, when there's things that you've done that have hindered intimacy, part of your prayer should be asking for forgiveness. David, the writer of Psalms, he said it this way in Psalm 66, verse 18. He says, if I had not confessed the sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. You're like, that's kind of harsh. I agree. That's wow. That's not fun. But but the writer said, the writer of Psalms said, you know what, man, when there's stuff between me and God, when I've disobeyed God, when I have sin in my life that I know about, that I'm actively sinning against God, knowing I'm not supposed to do this, it hinders intimacy. I know for me, I've, I've had times where, man, I have had sin in my life, when I have treated somebody in, a, in an unloving way, or I've done something wrong, and then I've sat down to pray, and it's like I'm talking to a wall. It's like it doesn't even leave the room. It's just, you can tell, man, this, is, this intimacy is hindered. Yes, I'm still God's son. Yes, I'm still going to spend an eternity with him. But man, I am hindering intimacy by my sin. And so Jesus says, hey, when you pray, Part of your pattern, it's not a just, you're not going to a priest to like confess everything and get a few things to do so you're good. No, but part of your prayer should be, hey, man, there's some things in my life that have hindered intimacy with you, God. And I, and I, I just want to say that I was wrong and I want to just ask for your forgiveness so that that intimacy can be back. Jesus says, make that part of your prayer. Make that part of the pattern. And then what happens from a place of gratefulness for what God's done in our life, we extend forgiveness to others. We forgive our debtors just like we've been forgiven. But yet sometimes our prayers are hindered because, man, we sin and then we're too proud to admit it. And so we, we basically live out that verse in James that says, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. And we, we're sitting there trying to pray to God and just, just feel this resistance. Like, man, it just doesn't even seem to, he doesn't even be, seem to be responding because he isn't because of what this verse says. And so Jesus says, hey, part of your prayer, part of the pattern, make it, man, just vulnerability between you and God, intimacy between you and God. And, and if you're praying and regularly talking to him, which is what Jesus is assuming, 
then man, they, these aren't like, hey, a year and a half ago when I did this and this. No, it's, hey, this morning when I was rude to my wife, that was wrong. I need to confess that to her, but man, God, I'm coming to you and saying, God, I, I was wrong. I don't want that to hinder intimacy with you. And then Jesus, he closes his kind of model prayer by encouraging us. He says this, he, he encourages us to, to ask for help spiritually. The last kind of phrase of the, of the prayer is, and do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And basically what Jesus is encouraging us to do is say, hey man, pray that God will keep you from difficult circumstances where you might be tempted to sin. And ask God to protect you from the evil one and from what's going on in this world. God doesn't, God never tempts us to sin, but he may allow circumstances into our life that would, man, in those circumstances, there would be temptations to maybe sin. And so he says, man, pray and ask God just like you're praying and asking God for daily bread for physical needs. Man, make part of your prayer time praying and asking God to help you spiritually. And again, you're not competing. You're, you're not having to like, I hope he hears this. No, this is your father. This is you sitting on the lap of your loving heavenly father. And you're asking him for help spiritually. You're asking him to do what he wants to see done in your life. Intimacy. See, just, just as Jesus encouraged us to pray for physical needs, he also encouraged us to pray for spiritual needs. See, Jesus' goal for this, he, he was trying to just show his followers that, man, prayer is it's not a performance. It, it's not a competition. You're, you're not performing. It, it shouldn't be a ritual, just this monotonous ritual. It, it, it shouldn't be like that. It, it shouldn't be this high-level conversation that's only for like real spiritual people that, that know real big spiritual words. It's Jesus saying, it's not like that. Prayer is simple. It's a conversation with you and your loving Heavenly Father. And Jesus wanted to just make that clear. But here's the thing. Unfortunately, religion, just like it's done for a lot of things, has complicated it. It's taken what Jesus said is, hey, here's a, a simple model, a way to pray. And we've complicated it. Over the years, we've taken what should be a simple rhythm of our life with our Heavenly Father, and we've made it this, this thing that's meant only for like real spiritual people that have the, 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 you know, know the right words to say. And it's why for some of you, you just don't pray much. It, because, man, for some of you, you're like, man, I'm not perfect. I got a lot of junk. I got a lot of junk. I, I don't know the, the big spiritual words. I, I'm not even really sure if God listens to me. And so for you, it's just like, I, I just don't do it. Or, or for you, maybe it's like, hey, I kind of tried that. And I, dude, like two minutes in, I had prayed for every person I know, every goldfish they have. And I was done in about two minutes. And so I just kind of got bored with it. And I've tried, it just, just never seemed to work. Here's the thing. No, no matter kind of what your past or where you're at in this area of prayer, maybe you're somebody here or watching online, you're like, I don't even know if I buy into the God thing yet, let alone the pray thing. No matter what you're, where you find yourself, 
here's the question that I would ask you. And it's really a question I want you to think about over the next few weeks as we're in this series on prayer. And it's a simple question. It's simply this. Would you be willing to lean into prayer in a fresh way? No matter where you're at. No matter if you're like, I'm not sure I totally buy into God and Jesus yet, or whether you're somebody that's like, man, I've been doing this thing for 45, 50 years, and it's kind of gotten monotonous in my life, or whether it's, man, it's going really well. Would you be willing to lean into prayer in a fresh way? That maybe God wants to do something in you in this area of prayer. I know for maybe, maybe for you this will age me a little bit, but one of my favorite cartoons growing up was Popeye. You got any Popeye fans like way back? Moms and dads used Popeye so much to get kids to eat their vegetables. Like that was what a what a perfect thing. I mean to get a it's why why we ate spinach as kids, not because we liked it. But but you guys know the story and if you weren't privileged to grow up when Popeye was on all the time, man, we feel sorry for you. Uh, But you have TikTok though, but we had Popeye. So Popeye, you know the story, man, Popeye, this sailor guy, kind of talked weird, so had a little pipe, he's smoking, small dude, and then he had this, this kind of big enemy that always was trying to mess with them, and, and you know, he would always get himself into a rough spot, and then somebody would pop open a can of spinach, and he'd eat it, and he was like superhero Popeye for just a little while. And he had this, this strength that he would never have in his life on his own. But man, this magic spinach gave him all the power he needed to kind of beat up his, the guys that were messing with him. And, and all was good. I mean, his girl was pretty nasty. I mean, she was ugly looking, let's be all honest. But just kidding. Uh, if you thought she was beautiful, but she was a little rough. But he loved her and he ate spinach. So, yeah, I mean, and my illustrations is like going down the tubes. Bottom line, prayer, power. Prayer is that, for lack of a better word, spinach for Popeye. And that on, on his own, he just didn't have that power. On his own, it just wasn't, he, he couldn't muster it up himself. And, and prayer is the same way. It's this power that's available to us. It's not forced on us. But it's a a power that some people take advantage of. And they see it throughout their life. Doesn't mean their life's perfect. Doesn't mean everything goes perfect. But somebody who is someone who is committed to prayer, there is a power in their life that other people just simply don't have. And it has nothing to do with how good that person is. has nothing to do with even who they are. It has to do with them taking advantage of this power that's available. I mean, Jesus did. I mean, you, you look at G- even Jesus on the cross. He prayed throughout his whole crucifixion. Like if Jesus needed to pray and he leaned on his heavenly father for power, then man, I think probably if if you're a follower of Jesus or you're even thinking about being a follower of Jesus, it's something that's available to us. But it won't be, it's not forced on us. It's just simply available for those who will lean into it. And so if you're here this morning, maybe you're watching online and you say, okay, okay, Chris, Prayer's been a part of my life, or it hasn't been, but man, I'm okay, I'm willing to lean in. I'm willing to lean in in a fresh way. 
Let, let, me, let me start this series, this kind of first message, by giving you just a couple things to think about that I think will help you, that we'll talk more about in the next few weeks. If, if you're sitting there, hey, I'd like to do this. I'd like to lean in in a fresh way. Let me give you a few things just based on this, the Lord's Prayer, some practical things. The first thing is this, and you're going to be like, man, it's super like, non-impressive. Find a quiet place. Again, that doesn't mean we never pray in public. We pray in public at church. We're supposed to. It's in the Bible. It's good. But at the end of the day, you know this. Man, when you have a lot of people around you, if, as long as you're not like the hypocrites trying to impress people, it's hard to focus. It's hard to pray. It's hard to start that rhythm. And so I would encourage you, if you're, if you're like, yeah, I want to lean in, I want to, want to try, I want to, want to lean into prayer in a fresh way, find a quiet place, find a quiet time in your day. For you, it might be, man, sitting on the porch, it might be in your car at lunch, it, it might be on a, on a prayer walk that you take in the morning that you use to talk to God. I don't know what it is for you, but, but find a quiet place and a quiet time to pray. And I'm not talking about hours. Maybe it's a few minutes that you start with. But find a quiet place. For me, two places. For me, there's, I, I do like to take just walks in my neighborhood, and that's a great time for me. I'm not skilled enough to pray while I run. Like if I'm running, I, my brain's like, blah, 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 so I can't pray. But if I walk, I can pray. So I'll, I'll walk and pray. And then there's a chair in, in our bedroom. And my, everybody in my family knows, like, that's kind of where I do my quiet time. And a dog or two will come in and say hi to me while I'm trying to, you know, talk to God and stuff. But basically, it's a quiet place. So find that for you. The second thing I think that's going to be real helpful is start by focusing on God and being grateful. Instead of, all right, God, I got my list ready. Here's the six things I need you to do. And these two I'd like to have done by noon, if you could get these done. Start by, hey, I found a quiet place, and now I'm going to start by, by focusing on who God is. Like, what do I love about God? What do I know about God that's just awesome? Man, thank him for that. Think about your life and the things that you can be grateful for. And before you even ask for anything or tell him one of your needs, man, share with him the things that you're grateful for about him and about your life. This morning, when I, when I was doing my quiet time, I, I have a little list that I type up, these things I'm grateful for. And I, man, I typed up this morning, man, yesterday we had over 700 people at the pumpkin party. Lord, thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, other nights it'll be, Lord, thank you. My son and his girlfriend came over and, and we had a great dinner together. Thank you. Just start with gratitude. Next thing is, hey, recognize and pray for his best to come. Chris, how do I pray for people? Start thinking, all right, I've, uh, quiet place. I've, I've started with just some gratefulness and just trying to focus on who I'm talking to. But now I'm going to start praying for my kids and my in-laws and, you know, the whatever, people at work and the different people. S start by asking yourself, hey, what is God's best in this person? What is God trying to do? Lord, what are you trying to do in my grandkids? What do you want to see accomplished? And allow that to kind of push your prayers in those directions. Pray for those things for the hearts of the people that you love. And yeah, you're going to pray for, you know, my daughter. She got st stung or something. So if you see my daughter today, she's got one really big cheek. 
So I, I've been praying that that would n- not swell up anymore. Of course, pray for those things, but man, also pray for your daughter's heart and what God's trying to accomplish in your mom or your dad. What does God want? And pray those things. My pastor in Florida said it this way. Hey, if God's laid something on your heart to pray for somebody, pray it because he might be doing something in their life and he wants you to be involved. So pray it. And then, then, then the last thing as you think about this is, man, talk to God about your physical needs. Yeah. Man, you've, you've talked to God about how grateful you are and who he is. You've, you've prayed for, for people and, man, what you believe God's best is in their life. And then, man, share with God because God wants you to tell him. Tell him specifically. And then be grateful when you see him answer specifically. God moves when people pray. There's a power available that Jesus experienced, that the the people in the New Testament experienced, that people for the last 2,000 years have experienced over and over and over in countries all over the world. There's a power that's experienced when people lean in to prayer, when they lean into talking to their heavenly Father who is all-knowing, all-loving, all-gracious, and what's the best for you and for me? And so let's take advantage of the power available to us in prayer. God, we're so thankful. We're so thankful that we have a God that we don't have to compete to get to, for him to hear us We don't have to wonder if he's available or what his office hours are. We have a God who loves us dearly, who knows us intimately, who loves us the same on our best days and on our worst days. He he loves us unconditionally. And he asks us, I want to hear from you. I want to have a relationship with you. I want to experience intimacy with you, my kid. And Lord, I pray that we would lean into that. If you're here with every head bowed and every eye closed, or maybe you're watching online, and and you would say, hey, Chris, I I am a follower of Jesus. There's been a time in my life when I have, man, admitted to God that I have sinned, and I have believed that he died on the cross and rose from the grave, and I've, I've started a relationship with God. I'm a follower of Jesus. If that's you, whether you're online or you're here, would, would you, in a new way, would you be willing to lean into prayer in a fresh way? And maybe for you, it's, man, it's just setting aside some quiet time in a quiet place. And so, so for you, would you be willing to do that? I mean, it's, it's great to say, yeah, I want to lean into fresh way for sure. That's probably what I'm supposed to say when I'm at church. But where it gets kind of a little more complicated is when it's Monday and the schedule hasn't got less busy and, and there's a lot of things being thrown at you. Will you set aside some time? Maybe it's five minutes, maybe it's 15 minutes and, and you say, hey, for me, probably the best time is going to be that morning walk or for me, it's going to be, man, going to my car at lunchtime and sitting in my car and eating my lunch and just talking to God. I don't know what it is for you. But would you, if you're a follower of Jesus, and if you are saying, yes, I want to lean in in a new way, 
would you just set aside some time? Just right now, make that decision. Think about your schedule and, and set aside that time. And for you, you might have to tell your family, maybe different people, that, just so that you're held accountable, but just set that time aside. Maybe you're here and you'd say, Chris, I'm not a follower of Jesus. I, I, you know, I've been around church. I've heard that Lord's Prayer thing a few times in my life, but I, honestly, I, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you've been hurt by the church. Maybe, maybe there's a variety of different reasons. You just said, that's just not for me. Well, if, if that's you, probably the, the best way for you to take that initial step of, of spending intimate time with your father is by, man, starting a relationship with him. Starting a relationship with God. You say, Chris, how do I do that? If, if, I, if I really wanted to start a relationship with God today, if I wanted to become a follower of Jesus today, how would I do that? Just in the quietness of this room with every head bowed, every eye closed, maybe you're watching online, it's real simple. You willing to admit to God that you've disobeyed him? You willing to admit to God that you're not perfect? You willing to, to believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave for you? To pay for your sin? And then are you willing today just to say, God, come into my life. Transform me. I want a relationship with you. If that's you, then, man, I want to give you that opportunity right now. Whether you're watching online or you're here this morning, just in the quietness of your heart, just tell God, God, I admit to you I've sinned. I've disobeyed you. I admit that, God. Just tell him. And then just tell him, God, I believe you sent your son Jesus to die for my sin. I believe you went in the grave and that he rose. Just tell God. Tell him what you believe. And then just invite him. God, come into my life. Transform me. I want a relationship with you. If you're here this morning or you're watching online and you made that decision, man, we are so excited for you. And we'd love to know about it. We'd love to celebrate. If you're watching online, you can go to citywalk.cc and there's a card, decision card you can fill out. We'll contact you, celebrate with you. If you're here this morning, you, there's a decision card right in front of you that you can fill out and tell us the decision you made. Take it to the next steps table. And man, we'll just call you probably once this week. Just want to make sure you understand your decision and rejoice with you. Lord, we're so thankful again that we can talk to you and we don't have to wonder if you care. We know you care because you proved it by sending your only son to die on the cross and rise from the grave so that we could have access to you at any time. Lord, we're thankful for that. And God, I pray that we would take advantage of that power available. In Jesus' name, amen.